Hello and welcome to Just Plain Sense, the equality and diversity podcast. I'm Christine Burns. Over the course of nearly 70 episodes, we've talked about violence as it affects different groups in our society. Disability hate crime, racist and religiously motivated hate crime, transphobic and homophobic crime. When we think about these, we tend to think that such violence is perpetrated by strangers, just as it's often imagined that rape and other violent attacks on women come from men who are somehow separate from our fathers, uncles and brothers. This isn't necessarily the case, of course. Bullying and physical violence often come from people we know, and nowhere is this more common than the domestic violence experienced by women at the hands of the men they live with. Much strategic attention is focused on dealing with the outcomes of all this violence, catching and punishing offenders, counselling and supporting those on the receiving end, teaching self-defence, even designing the built environment to make it safer. Recent research, supported by the Equality and Human Rights Commission, highlighted how ill-equipped we are in these areas too. Britain's provision for rape crisis centres and women's refuges is patchy and underfunded at best. Centres have been closing through lack of sustainable funding. Naturally, there's a lot of attention on the crisis in that area. But there's a danger of thinking that the violence itself is a given, that it's somehow unavoidable, for instance, that men in particular will bully and abuse the women who live with them. The White Ribbon campaign is about tackling and breaking down that assumption and looking at what men can do themselves to end violence against women. With me today is Chris Green, the UK director of the campaign. Chris, welcome to Just Plain Sense. Have I painted a fair picture of the problem? I think so. Uh, If we look at the situation of the violence, we're looking at one threatening situation every 10 seconds, 3.29 million assaults, according to the British Crime Survey in the UK in 12 months, 3.29 million. So that's within about, say, about 25 million adult women in the population? Sure. Uh, One in four women experience violence during the course of their lifetime. According to the World Bank, violence against women globally causes more deaths and disability than cancer, malaria, traffic accidents or war. It's a shocking statistic. And and I I shudder to to ask this, but is that the complete picture? Is is there under-reporting as well? Probably with the British Crime Survey statistics, there is not so much under-reporting. But the under-reporting consists of the fact that it takes one woman... 35 incidents of violence before she'll go to the police so there's under reporting and then when it gets to the police sometimes the police are perhaps uh, reluctant to intervene into what they regard as domestic um, situations I think they've become a lot more proactive in their attitudes and certainly the senior figures are much better at the policy but you still hear a little bit of hearsay of people individual officers not acting as quickly as they might have done and certainly uh, when we're talking about other interpersonal violence as well that's equally underreported and the police probably even less likely to intervene. So what are your organisation's aims? To wear a white ribbon is a pledge never to commit, never to condone and never to remain silent about violence against women. And for me, all the parts of that aim are equally important. 
the fact that we're talking about not remaining silent means challenging male behaviour in the pubs. Um, a little bit of, oh, it was only a joke, mate, when you're talking about jokes which involve sexual assault or rape. Or even just putting women down all the time because White Ribbon Campaign in the UK is also active in working about the commodification of women because we see that as an essential part of leading to the assaults. Millers is turning women into, say, sex objects. Absolutely. We're on some home office working parties about that. But just as important is the day-to-day work that we do around these issues, working in schools and challenging the objectification and the violence generally. While we're talking about stereotypes, is, is there a particular type of man we're talking about here? I mean, is it you know, young or old, rich, poor, you know, particular class or professions? As I travel around the country, quite often you hear people say, um, I was really surprised because it wasn't just the working class. And of course it's not. It's absolutely, all the evidence is that it's absolutely equally spread across class, across um, race. Um, Do we understand then why it occurs? Yes, it's about power and control. It's about keeping women in their place, making sure they do what they're told. It's not about, oh, I just lost my temper once and was violent. Most of the violence that we see is part of a pattern of ongoing uh, violence to, as I say, in the domestic situation at least, keep uh, a partner in their place or, in societal terms, to keep women in their place. Mm. But, but surely, I mean, you, you, when you meet a man and, and get romantically in, in, involved with them, they, they, they don't actually look like violent bullets when you, when you meet them. They're often very charming people. So, you know, how does that come about, that that change happens? I have to reach for my bag here because you just said they're very charming people. Mm. And in my bag, I'm just reading a book called This Charming Man. It's a novel but it's a novel reflecting uh, societal norms. Of course, no violent man uh, has a badge on him saying, I might have a tendency to beat you up when I've been out with you for a couple of times. Uh, Sometimes the most charming, by their very nature, because they they move on sometimes from one relationship to another, are the most dangerous. And women can sometimes think of themselves as to blame. Um, we know that's not true, but um, is, it a, is it a part of the self-justification of the men involved? She made me do it, is so often mm-hmm. uh, the rationale. No man, and I have this from men who run experienced men who run perpetrator programmes, those are programmes for violent men, they say that no man is ever proud of being violent so they have to justify it Mm. and the way they justify it is by she made me do it in one way or another there are hundreds of 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 phrases people use i've mentioned some of the strategic responses things like prosecuting offenders and counseling their victims but is that effective are we putting our efforts into the wrong places i think uh All the evidence shows that domestic violence courts are very effective in terms of bringing uh, more perpetrators to justice and also bringing more complaints forward. But when you look at the incidence of... uh, the incidence of prosecutions for rape and sexual assault, 
and the successful prosecutions, it is not good. Uh, and it's only a small percentage of the cases are successfully prosecuted. Therefore, we've got to look for prevention. I'd much rather, much rather have prevention in place than a successful prosecution because a successful prosecution is after the act, after the terror has gone on. So I was going to ask what's, what's different about your, your approach. Is, is that what it's about? Yeah, we are what would be, what would be called a primary prevention campaign. Uh, we don't even work with men most likely to offend. We work with the entire community and we want to create a culture where all violence is so disapproved of and there's such a public culture of disapproval that it starts to go down and ceases to be. And is that effective? I mean, does appealing to men in that way produce results? The small amount of research that has been done on schoolboy attitudes or school student attitudes is that having lessons and working with school students changes their attitudes. It's a before and after survey. And we at White Ribbon UK are in the process of integrating such surveys into all our work. And it shows that in terms of their attitudes, the attitudes were much more respectful after an education programme. Is this about influencing those men's peers as much as the, the, the individuals themselves? Yes, we want to have peer group pressure on a whole community, and which is why we want to work with school students, young men, but also mature men, because we don't want everybody who's in their 20s to have 40 or 50 years of no uh, programme to change their behaviours. Okay. So what sort of campaigns do you run? moment we run an education campaign, a sport campaign and a music campaign. Uh, we also do support for people around the country who are running their own activities. We're very pleased with our sport campaign uh, because sports people are often role models for young men and their behaviours and that, that's for good role models and bad role models and we're very proud that we now have some premiership footballers, some uh, international rugby league stars and international rugby union stars who've come out not just to support the campaign but as ambassadors for the campaign, meaning that they will take the campaign on into their workplaces and into their communities. And I was very pleased last week I was at Headingley at the rugby league ground and the cricket ground at the invitation of Ikram Butt, who was the only Asian to play rugby league for England and he said, yes, I'm very proud to become an ambassador for your campaign. Okay. You mentioned campaigning with boys as well. Of course, we work in, with, in schools, but also in informal education, in youth clubs. And sometimes some young boys say, yes, I will take this on and I will become a youth ambassador so we can establish them to work within their peer group. And we have a peer mentoring education programme to support them in working with their peer groups. Okay. How does your work then sit alongside that of other agencies or charities? Um, do, you, do you encounter, for instance, any distrust or suspicion from women-led groups? We've, this was what I first expected when I set up White Ribbon UK some five years ago. 
And all I've had is immense amounts of support from the women's movement. In fact, um, Only Women Rise, which is the organisation which runs a big march for women on International Women's Day to, to oppose assault. We've been putting their materials into every parcel we've been sending out for this November the 25th. But they've said to us, we want you to be at that event uh, as men to start to challenge masculinities and masculine behaviour. Um, that was a joint meeting I had with them and with the Women's Resource Centre, who were also very supportive. We have support from Women's Aid, from Womankind Worldwide, from Unifem. Uh, we are very feel we are very close to the women's organisations. Um, if I'm down in London for a meeting, I will pop in for a cup of coffee and see somebody and exchange our views. And in fact, we're probably going to have our first desk space in London. We've never had desk space in London before in one of the offices of one of the women's organisations. Okay. Now, now I've sometimes encountered some individual campaigners who perhaps take a more zero-tolerance approach and they would say that men's behaviours can't be changed uh, and we should just hit people hard with the, the full force of the law. What, what would your response be to that? Yes, we should take a zero-tolerance zero approach. We are a zero-tolerance organisation. We absolutely condemn uh, inappropriate behaviours and anyone who is associated with our organisation will get thrown out. Also, the new coordinator for White Ribbon Scotland will be coming to us from working with Zero Tolerance Scotland. So he has also has a background of zero tolerance exactly. Do you, do you th- actually have the resources to take on the scale of the problem? In a word, no. But that doesn't stop us wanting to do the work. That's, that's something we need to address to government and funding agencies. But we still need to do our bit and try to make some changes. Our resources are always even thinner because we feel that we have a responsibility to helping support some parts of the women's movement which are even worse funded than we are and therefore when we have fundraising events people often say is it appropriate for us to give funds from our fundraising to the local refuge or to women who have no recourse to public funding and we say of course it is that's absolutely what men need to be doing but we hope by bringing more focus on these issues to make more funding available for all of us. So I guess you're saying that if we, if we don't spend money in the prevention area, then we're forever going to be spending money on, on picking up the pieces. Yes, but that wouldn't be an argument for us to take money from other organisations into prevention. Uh, we think funds for prevention should be coming from the main health service budget, for example, and in some small areas they are. Um, and from mainstream government funding, but not funds which are allocated to uh, women or equal opportunities. Um, Do you think you're actually getting anywhere with the the work that you're doing? Absolutely. We're an expanding organisation, but that could be an answer for a self-serving organisation. We rely upon our feedback from organisations which are frontline in the field who then come to us and say, yes, we, we think you're making an impressive impact upon things. Of course we're not seeing changes in attitudes, but we will do when people know what White Ribbon Campaign is and when we can add more focus to it and bring discussion of the issues out from under the carpet. OK. And how can people get involved? 
that's an easy one too. Start a white ribbon campaign in your area. Email our organisation, access the website, but as we did when we started, just start the campaign. We'll offer you support and resources and wish you well. Could you see a time then when, when violence of this kind is substantially diminished or eliminated? Substantially diminished, absolutely. If we're not going to do that, we can stop and go home now. Uh, I'm not doing this for fun. We are not doing this because we want to sit around and in, in an office for the rest of our lives. We're doing it because we want to make an impact. And we are making an impact, and we will make an impact. And you can tell that because of the way the campaign is growing. Thank you very much. I've been speaking to Chris Green, UK Director of the White Ribbon Campaign. If you want to learn more about them, then they have a website at www.whiteribboncampaign, that's all one word, whiteribboncampaign.co.uk. And that, as usual, brings us to the end of another episode of Just Plain Sense. If you'd like to hear more, then the place to go is our website, which is podcast.plain-sense.co.uk. Join us again soon for another programme on a topic of equality and diversity. For now, though, it's goodbye and thank you for listening. Just Plain Sense is a Plain Sense limited production. Mm-hmm.